All right. Well, uh, welcome to season two of Chit to Chat with Lama John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do these podcasts. I know your time is precious as you teach more or less tirelessly. I think that's an appropriate word, appropriate <laughs> la label. And uh, labels are empty, but uh, I think that's appropriate tirelessly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were talking about this a lot. We'll be spending all 12 episodes of this series on the stages of meditation, uh, Kamala Shia's classic Tibetan text. Uh, which itself summarizes and builds on the Yogacharic tradition of Asanga, which I didn't know that. Um, so some pretty essential and heady stuff. Yeah. And uh, I know, did, have you read the Dalai Lama's book on this? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and he's so, uh, like I reading that, and he's so uh, well-spoken. Yeah. You know, uh, his words are so precise. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, well, part of that I was uh, learning about recently was that, well, not recently, but I got a validation on it recently, was that the Tibetan language was first started out as like the uh, like a yak herder's language and then was mm. refined purely for the purpose of translating Dharma. Yeah. And, um, and that there was one great example of Ken Rinpoche um, and Geshe Maka Roach who translated the Abhidharma Kosha. Mm -hmm. from Sanskrit into Tibetan and that after, I mean, that's a huge book. And after no. they were done, there was one syllable difference. No kidding. Yeah. And so it, the, the point is that that's the kind of detail that the Tibetans went into is, and so that anything that we get from them, we can, we can like know that it's, it's airtight. <laughs> and so when the Dalai Lama speaks, it reminds me of, like their language and the way they, uh, there's no wasted words, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah, wow, he's he's br been brought up in a world, well, he is what he is, but, you know, every one of his words are so potent. Yeah, and there's, I guess there's no sort of possessive words like mine. And I've heard like that, that, yeah. Yeah, and it is, like you said, it was a, a language that was, Buddhism like came in and, and sort of, uh, helped it grow, you know, from Middle English to whatever English we speak now kind of thing. And a lot of the words are kind of Buddhist related. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And and this, the stages of meditation was one of the first texts that came from India, from uh, Nalanda and, and the Mahasiddhis that were down there. And the king of Tibet, right, said, hey, bring some stuff up here. Right. Mm -hmm. and I think two of his buddies and he, and he they went up there and, and, and this was the text they gave them. But this was a text Kamala Shia gave them anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, the Dalai Lama, yeah, reading this book. <laughs> I always I always feel that Tibetan Buddhism is the original gangster of of information that needs to be unpacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it it it's it's I don't it's the thing, I don't think it's advertised as an introductory book on meditation, but I don't think a totally green person would know what some of these packed things are, like suchness. No, yeah, definitely needs a commentary for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know before I came to Three Jewels, I was reading a lot of these advanced Dzogchen books that I could get my hands yeah. on because they were so poetic and inspiring, yeah. but I couldn't have told you anything what they meant. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So you need to yeah. build up a lexicon, a glossary of terms, you know? Yeah. And that's what I noticed too, you know, like studying, getting like the open teachings and then getting the more esoteric teachings. Suddenly it was so much more poetic. Right. right? But you definitely, unless you had 
like years and hours and study behind you, there's no way you could actually understand, unless you had, of course, we always have to add that, unless you had that crazy virtue that just yeah. gives you that ability to to see that because words are empty, but yeah. Yeah, I know in, in your case, right, we were talking about before, you kind of had strong realizations, but you didn't have the language for it. No, and then, zero. And then when you started, uh, you know, studying with, with teachers, Tibetan teachers, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's yeah, it was kind of almost like a reverse, what do you call that? You figure out what happened later, like you, the, the name for it later. And, oh, yeah, that's what that was. And then, which gives you the ability to teach it, too. Yeah. Which yeah, is nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had an um, ulcer once, and I didn't know what an ulcer, <laughs> I didn't know what an ulcer was. But when I had it, I was like, I have an ulcer. I just knew. Oh, you know, it was a mild Sorry thing. To laugh. So, I just it was such a such a <laughs> went from went from <laughs> to ulcer. Um, yeah. So, we, anyway, so what? How, what ulcer? No, no, we can't. We're not supposed to meander. We we no, we I've, can meander. But I've got how the does notes here. With, how, how does that fit in with? Uh, oh, this idea that you can uh, grasp. The, the understanding of something in the words. Oh, you yeah. Might, you might not have the lexicon. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Well, the thing about Kamalashila that fascinates me, uh, well, not, not Kamalashila specifically, but that in that time period, so they've got, they're having this, they have this big debate. Yeah. And uh, Kamalash, Kamalashila wins this debate. Yeah. Apparently. Right. And, and there's not a lot we know about Kamalashila's life, but the big thing that we do know is that he won this debate. And um, I, I, from my, the teachings, I've read a few different things, but the teachings that I've got was that he defeated this idea mm. of uh, instant enlightenment, like, is yes. it, and that you didn't have to meditate on anything, which would, I guess, mean you didn't have to plant any karma or any virtue. Mm. And so Kamalashila proves this. And I think. If I remember correctly, his whole point was, well, then, if you want to become enlightened, then just get knocked out. <laughs> that was his uh, final was his, argument? <laughs> it was his final argument. I don't really know. I wasn't there. Yeah, there's uh, no YouTube but, videos. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but what, what I love about this whole story is that their the entire countrysides are getting, okay, how should we be? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what is going to be the best thing for our minds? And they have this, they call the the biggest, the hot shots around who, who apparently know. And then they say, okay, let's just logically figure this out. Yep. And then from <laughs> from here on, this, we will do that. Whoever wins the debate, okay, we're either going to follow Kamala Shila or Hua Shang. And uh, which is so different from, I mean, God, well, the election race, the debates, and what's what the concern is. Right, the concern about you know, and they're slandering each other, and all out comes the mud that flies around, and they're talking about the uh, I don't even know because I I don't really pay attention. Um, mm. You know, if I could, I would vote for the Dalai Lama. I mean, I I mean I do vote, but I just always vote for the who I think is the least amount of trouble, I guess. But <laughs> uh, so here. This is a day and age when they're actually having political debates on how should we think. Yeah, imagine. And they that. so somehow, and I well, we're in the Western world, and I maybe maybe it's it, I guess it is over there still, where that's like they know that the mind is first, 
they know that the healthy mind creates a healthy environment. Mm. And so they had this big debate. Okay, how are we going to, what's the best for all of us? And they, but we don't do that now over here. We have <laughs> argue about all kinds of other things. So I, I love that part of the story. Yeah. You know, well, let's say um, also too the idea of instant enlightenment is, is also the idea of developmental versus discovery mm. paths. And the enigmas still sort of have that discovery. I mean, you have preliminary practices that you need to do, mm -hmm. but the idea in Zen, for example, is you have Satori, which is an instant enlightenment. Yeah. Zokchen has pith instructions, yep. right, that are supposed to give you that sort of, you know, lightning bolt of, of enlightenment. Um, so yeah, it's not, I don't think that after that debate, everyone in Tibet said, okay, we're all, you know, we're all developmental. We're all uh, Gulupas yeah, no. now, even though they hadn't really, I don't think they had started the monastery by that time. No, it seems to me like what happened was they, at that point, took the foundational practices seriously. Mm. Ah, right? Interesting. Because it's true, like what you said, all these different uh, paths, like Zogchen, Zogchen and things like that, and like the effortless path. Um, what I find interesting about those kinds of teachings is, is that you have people who have accomplished, mm. they've, they, and they say instant enlightenment. And of course, it is instant, right? It's like when, when you uh, have a realization, you know, it's instant, or if you become a Buddha, it's in, a, in an instant, in a sense, where you go beyond time, and you know that you've always been a Buddha. Mm-hmm. And so nothing really happened, but a, a lot happened, you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of causes and conditions had to go into place to produce that instant. So I, I think it's, it's almost, I almost feel like they went, okay, this instant enlightenment idea is, is true in a certain sense, but without the causes and conditions, it's not going to happen. Which is the first couple of things that he starts talking about in, in, right. the, in the book or causes yeah. and conditions. Yeah. Yeah. And these three guys that came, the Kamala Shia, they were invited by the king of Tibet. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the Bans were there, Bumpos were there before that, and the Kamdapas and all those people. So they, I think he wanted to bring Tibetan or to bring Buddhism there. And these guys were Mahasiddhis from India. Yeah. Right. And they were also importantly uh, bodhisattva, uh, bringing yeah. that idea, the, 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 uh, Mahayana, right? So they really didn't bring the, what would you call the Theravadan, you know, the, the first, uh, wave of Buddhism of just, uh, you know, sanghas where people come to meditate and they're monks. Yeah. It was like a householder thing, but yeah, so they really, and I don't think there was a monastery before these guys came. Um, so Samye was, was um, um, founded after that or because of their visit. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting, pretty interesting. And then, but they, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they have to leave because the Bumpo spirits were, um, the, you know, the um, indigenous spirits kind of forced them out. And it wasn't until Padmasambhava came later and integrated or quote unquote, you know, incorporated the, uh, those spirits into Tibetan Buddhism. So you see all these Dharmapalas and, you know, Ekajati and Vajrapani 
uh, integrated them into, but they didn't do that. They just brought the Mahayana texts in. And that's what, that's my understanding of it. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But I got that. <laughs> well, and it, and it sounds like uh, Guru Padmasambhava, like he, it's like he pacified, he's like, he pacified those spirits in a way by integrate, like you said, integrate the integration. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, wow. Yeah. We should, we should do a whole series on him. Yeah. Oh God, I would love to do that. Season, season three. Season three. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, in, in that integration, like it was kind of a smart thing to do. Um, uh, like guys like Alexander the Great, when they would conquer a land or a country, they didn't, he didn't uh, dismantle their religion or the culture there. He just set up the cops and the, mm-hmm. and the, the tax guys and said, Hey, you guys believe whatever you want, but you know, as long as you pay homage to me, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. So I think it was sort of the same thing, perhaps, you know, only wildly different with Guru Rinpoche. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those you are all incorporate great. incorporate them in the system, not yeah, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot of examples of that of Christianity going into countries like Haiti and and so forth, or Brazil, where they still sort of kept some of their uh, indigenous and voodoo-y things in in practices. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, you can see like the uh, maybe the health and the growth that could happen from that. Mm-hmm. Not that you know invading anybody is you know good but uh you know if 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 you're gonna do that <laughs> you know it's your karma yeah you know yeah i mean god and then i mean it's maybe not to get too far into that but uh like which what didn't happen like the native americans or whatever you say yeah like, there's such a i mean that was ridiculous i mean like talk about trying to take over and not include mm-hmm. a people's in your whole plan i mean that and you could see the damage yeah. over that that has done to the car the, the negative karma like the countless negative karma the divisiveness and like we're all i think reeling from the result of that yeah well, it was the european conquest model you know? yeah uh, george carlin said you know man once those blue eyes started sailing across the ocean <laughs> you better nail everything down <laughs> nail yeah and then, and then you have the dalai lama who who begs his people not to judge yeah. The people that invaded, right? Because he knows the causes yeah. of that. You know, like don't be careful. You know, don't plant the same karma and stop well, that, this cycle. Yeah, it's kind of one of the major, most major debates of our times. Whether you're going to have societies that are plural, or it's you know just all the you know people that are quote unquote supposed to be there. Um, oh, mm-hmm. we're meandering. Um, <laughs> Yes, we are meandering. We um, haven't seen each other in a while, Greg. It's, it's been not a while. our fault. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, I, I, we were talking uh, on the phone uh, last week about what happened after the debate oh, yeah. with, with Kamala Shia. Now, you had heard he was, what did you, run over by a cow? Or no, that was Oh, Bahia. no, that's somebody else. That, that's another that's, guy. That's uh, Bahia. Yeah. Bahia, no. Yeah, so, they, so well, the story I heard was that his... Uh, his opponents, his gang of opponents, were so upset that he won that they actually killed him. Yeah, yeah, that's he was killed for that. And uh, I think you added the fact that apparently is true that he they they killed him by squeezing his kidneys. <laughs> so of all the things you could do, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then then there's the other story, which is uh, uh, from Wikipedia and, and other places. 
when he was coming back, <clears throat> um, he saw a corpse that was uh, polluted with some type of dangerous infection. And he decided to do a powwow and animate the corpse, so sort to of put his mind street in the corpse and move it out of the way. And while he was doing this, another Mahasiddhi, uh, Pandampa Sangha, Sangha, came across his vacant body. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is Wikipedia. He was not karmically blessed with an aesthetic corporeal form, oh. which is that's a very nice way of saying he wasn't very good looking. He wasn't, he wasn't yeah. Hey, want to go out? No, I do not think you have an no. aesthetically appealing corporeal form. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he found the very handsome and healthy empty body of Kamlashia and uh, which he thought was a, a newly dead corpse, and he transferred his mind stream into his body. And then when uh, Kamala Shia came back after doing his little zombie thing and moving the corpse, he was like, oh, well, I guess someone else took my body. So he went into uh, this other guy's body. And, <laughs> and then this other guy, I mean, to continue the story, he uh, ended up, what do they say? He continued on in, in Kamala Shia's body, and he was involved with the transmission of show to Maching uh, Ladrum, which, you know, Chode practice is a, is a pretty big thing in Tibet. Yeah, she's so, a heavyweight in that department. Yeah. So, I mean, all this is a great David Lynch movie, you know. I know. <laughs> and you don't hear much about power like this for animated corpses. Mostly it, it has no. to do with like the Bardo, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, that's the place where there should have been a traffic light. There's a very... Yeah. It's just there was there was a bottleneck there. It's just, somebody should have been directing traffic in that moment. Something got. Well, maybe a, got he, he could put a little <laughs> sticky on his body. Said, right. You know, back in five. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I interesting. You know, stories and mythologies. Yeah. Well, if he was, if he was, I'm sure who he appears to have been. He probably didn't mind having a. Yeah, uh, a face that didn't look quite like his face did because he would have, you know, I mean, at minimum realized being probably an enlightened being to yeah. have written this text. So he probably, well, to be able to pull all that stuff off, he yeah, I would think so. He right? didn't mind. <clears throat> cool. Well, let's dive into the some of the sure. high level concepts in in the stages of meditation. Um, at its heart, it's kind of a bodhisattva text, right? Would you? Yeah, for that? sure. For sure. Um, do you want to read uh, the first stanza there, or? Yeah, we can we can jump to that. Do you um, want to go 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 that way? Maybe let let's let's throw a couple ideas out here, uh, okay. or, or a couple of of um, things that your, people are going to uh, yeah run across here. Okay. So the book describes the Bodhisattva way to enlightenment that's kind of beyond nirvana, right? Yeah. So if you're a Theravada practitioner, this is sort of where the break comes with Mahayana practitioners, philosophically yeah. speaking. It's a great question. Yeah. And so we also, so there's Bodhisattva, uh, Shamatha, Vipassana, and emptiness, mm -hmm. and their relation to the six perfections. Yeah. Um, these are all really big things here. Yeah. Um, and then how, how all of this one coupled with a calm mind that experiences emptiness can lead, lead you to omniscience. Yeah. And that word is used repeatedly in the text, like it's a very real thing. Yep. And when the implication of that first dawned on me, when I thought, like, that's something that's in my mind stream that can be 
developed, right? Yeah. 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 But anyway, so those, those are kind of the top top level things. Um, yeah. So the first uh, section or chapter, if we will, mm -hmm. is um, I think we'll put this PDF up for people if they want to sort of follow along at home. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah. It is the text from the Tibet house, which is the cultural center of the Dalai Lama. And this is the text that he actually uses in his book, which is the commentary uh, on that as well. So there's a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, background on that. So maybe, yeah, the uh, stages of meditation, the middle section. Yeah, so he starts out uh, homage to the youthful Manjushri. And he says, uh, I shall briefly explain the stages of meditation for those who follow the system of Mahayana Sutras. The intelligent who wish to actualize omniscience, there's that word, yeah. who wish to actualize omniscience extremely quickly should make a deliberate effort to fulfill its causes and conditions. I mean, he's, he's serious, right? He's, yeah. you want omniscience? Yeah. And you want to extremely quickly, not just quickly. Yeah. 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 And what's cool about this is like, in it's kind of code in a way, because when they say mm. homage to the youthful Manjushri, it's like, it's telling us what the topic is. Right. Right. right? Cause like, uh, the Buddhist books, because any any like good or or I guess recognized Buddhist book uh, treats something like one of the three uh, uh, I guess baskets of information like the tripicata right right I never guy stumble on that tripicata yeah so it's if it's a collection of like uh, scriptures or discourses then they make an homage to all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and then if it's uh, from the collection of knowledge, it's they bow to Manjushri. And then if it's uh, about discipline, like Vinaya, then they bow to um, the omniscient ones. So if we didn't know that, right? So when he says homage to youthful Manjushri, he's telling us, okay, you know, we're going to go into knowledge. We're going to learn something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, and he's right away saying Mahayana. Mm-hmm. So right away we know, okay, it's the Bodhisattva. We're going to learn about the Mahayana Sutras. We're going to learn about what a Bodhisattva does and how a Bodhisattva who wishes to become omniscience. And, I, you know, it seems to me like he's saying, if you do what I say, <laughs> guess what? You're going to have, you, you can reach omniscience. Yeah. Um, and and, and yeah. there's this, this very first line. That needs to be unpacked. Homage yeah. to the youthful Manjushri. Okay, yeah. Manjushri. It's one of the three baskets. <laughs> if you didn't know that, you'd wonder, okay, well, what? And now you got to go look up Manjushri. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for those who follow the system of Mahayana, so this is for people that um, are reaching total, want to reach total Buddhahood, which, you know, you said earlier, there's, I think it can be, you know, you can read texts and get confused. Mm -hmm. about uh, what enlightenment is because for to some people enlightenment is like that Theravadan is nirvana yeah some people th uh, I, I've heard people say enlightenment is just simply seeing emptiness directly or being realized I've heard that mm -hmm. um, but which is but uh, 
total enlightenment. So there's enlight according to the Mahayana, there's enlightenment and total enlightenment. And total enlightenment is Buddhahood. And enlightenment would be more like nirvana, or you're not you're not quite you're not quite a Buddha yet. And uh in order to actually break past this incredibly difficult gate of nirvana they say right they say that uh nirvana is like dangerous it's dangerous because it's so good sure it's so good um and i read it so many times in the scriptures the uh you know the who's ever laying down the uh the text is like begging begging for assistance not to get stuck in the in the higher peace mm. known as nirvana so you know, and and how are you going to do that? Well, you have to have compassion for other beings because you can mm-hmm. you can become a really great meditator. I think, which is what Kamala Sheila is going to go off about. You can become a really great meditator for yourself alone, right. and you can get rid of all your mental afflictions for yourself alone, and become totally at peace for yourself alone. But then, that's as far as you can go. Without this altruistic compassion and it's so sublimely uh, nice to be happy every moment of the day mm. that what would motivate you you know so that's why they say don't 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 let me get stuck in nirvana do you think you could um falsely believe that you've achieved nirvana oh yeah sure oh okay yeah yeah i, 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 I don't think i don't think then the the total buddhahood with omniscience yeah. that you know in this idea that you can you know, the idea of omniscience, you can know everything without being obstructed by time and space. Yeah. I don't think you can kid yourself on that one. Yeah, there'll be, yeah, it'll be, I think if you could, if you could kid yourself and believe yourself, then I think you'd be like in, in some kind of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> People would be coming to take you away. If you, if you really, really believe that and you, and you weren't that, I think that would be a dangerous place to be. Yeah. And yet here he is saying, Hey, if you're his first he says he qualifies it the intelligent who wish to actualize yeah. omniscience you know so you must have that uh, ability uh, mm-hmm. and um extremely quickly you know when i read that it was like so, someone telling me hey you can fly if you want just just you know read this book mm-hmm. the instructions of how you could fly if you wanted to mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and of course if someone in this day and age reads the words extremely quickly well that means like right now sure i mean this is the we're in the age of like uh fast food and iphones like quickly right now means very quickly yeah download it (laughs) download it right now yeah and uh for these uh this level of being very quickly is one lifetime Mm -hmm. one lifetime because they look at they look at uh all the span of your lifetimes and this one lifetime is like a a finger snap compared Isn't the ma- to the... the Mahayanist and the, the Bodhisattva ideal. They always talk about three countless eons, but here yeah. he, he's saying you could do it uh, extremely quickly. Does he, by extremely quickly, does he mean two countless eons? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, I think that, well, we're going to find out because, you know, in the danger of, uh, saying something too risque they um they say that if you do follow like the the path of the bodhisattva and you only st- you just stay there at this kind of open teaching level 
then it will take three countless eons, which apparently is quick compared to, I think what's hard to understand is that three countless eons is already a long time, but that we've lived for countless eons, like even it's, I think it's too hard for the mind to grasp what that means. Like, mm. and then, uh, so you take that three countless eons and we can't even imagine how long that is. And then, um, if you add certain elements to that same practice, they say, okay, one lifetime. If, if you put everything into that, uh, you know, in that basket, you put your whole life, everything in your life into that basket and yeah. you try to achieve it. You can do it in life, in one lifetime. You can plant the causes and conditions in one lifetime, but mm -hmm. you would have had to have done some eons first. <laughs> you don't just go from, you, you know, so you, it could be that you're at the like, the very, 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 very last final little tip of the three eons. Yeah, you yeah. may have been a bodhisattva for like two point, you know, nine, 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 nine eons, and you're right, you're right there. So I think that uh, when you you see it, you see it when like when I'm teaching and when I've been in classes too, you can see it. Um, some people show up and you know, okay, they've done some eons, yeah. like. Because they just light up. You say things like karma and emptiness. You start giving them these ideas, and then this idea of the bodhisattva doesn't respond in kind to anger, and that lights them up. Yeah. Instead of going, "What are you crazy? That's ridiculous." It lights them up. Then you're like, "Okay, here's one that's done some eons." Yeah, but you could you could easily uh, just sort of look at that and then go, "Okay, well, here I am, <laughs> X point in my life." I can't go off and do 20 years of meditation and, yeah. or even if I had the time or, or blah, blah, blah. And so, and the Dalai Lama and Alan Walsh have, have both talked about this, um, that a lot of people don't, you know, are serious about this. They don't even try to achieve shamatha. Yeah. They figure, well, you know, I'm going to have to come back anyway. So let me just do a lot of merit so that I can have a fortunate rebirth. And they're not, and and the in the main idea behind that is that they're saying that it's just too hard. These are mm -hmm. these are the degenerate times that have been talked about. But um, I think it was the Dalai Lama, yeah, said something to the effect of he goes, yeah, no, all the people that have done it in the past, <clears throat> their times have been just as hard. Yeah, there were still people running around killing each other and starting wars and stuff like that all through history. Yeah, well, there's a reason why the ten non-virtues are in place, right? You know, I mean, so thousands of years ago, uh, people were still gossiping about each other. Mm -hmm. You know, people were still, you know, uh, had had uh, malice. People were still killing each other. You know, so we're just—it's a good point. The more things and, change, the more they stay the same. You know. Yeah, and so I think we're very fortunate to. Well, I feel I'm very fortunate. I've definitely been given teachings in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh to you know ways to use this life right there are ways to use uh daily life to accomplish it mm -hmm. but you got to get shamatha yeah yeah got to pull that one off you got to have a steel mind uh 
or the because the mind is so uh well, the mind is everything. The mind, are what it, it's a thing that motivates us to do anything. It's it's always the mind first. So, this is what uh, I think Kamashila is going to be getting on too. Is without a stable mind, uh, we we we're unable to have any kind of antidote against the tumultuous mind that moves us around. You know, mm. from day to day, pushes us around from day to day. So where, you know, they say with, with Sukhavati that, that heaven, Amitabh's heaven, you know, that the desire to be born there, you, you can cultivate that. And that should be your sort of your mantra as you're dying. Are you, this has almost like, a, well, I'm not going to come back to this planet or come back to help sentient beings. I'm going to go off to this heaven and just luxuriate in dharma teachings all the time with the birds, right. birds singing dharma and so on and so forth um I don't, what's where's the is there a is there some type of contradiction there that you're deciding well, because you know how to get there and you feel you have the merit and, and maybe you've achieved shamatha even like to say yeah that's that's where i'm gonna get my next ticket punched well i mean i guess it's only a contradiction if If you decided as as a bodhisattva, we'll have to get into that too, like the bodhisattva, the bodhisattva vows and stuff like that. You're going to serve all sentient beings, and that's your whole reason for being. And that very thought, that very altruistic thought, is the very uh, impetus for your omniscience. Then it stands to reason to me that having a goal of simply wanting to live this luxurious paradise life would slow you down in a way it could take you to a a place that's really nice but you're still thinking that okay i'm going to be john there or something like that i'm i'm going to be the me that i am now there i see and then so there's still this ex, this belief in this me that is self standing and uh it which is a direct obstacle to your omniscience is a direct obstacle to your uh total enlightenment so i think it's a great goal and probably achievable and i think one thing i've learned over the years is that um if it's if that goal is something that keeps you going mm -hmm. then sometimes that's important enough that keeps you practicing day to day because hopefully what will happen is as you go deeper into shamatha and your mind evolves closer to its natural state, compassion for others would naturally arrive, hopefully. Right. Yeah. So that just the wish to do that is already a wish, um, a goal that is beyond this world, yeah. right? And so you're hopefully along the way, compassion would kick in. And you'd get some teachings, really solid teachings on emptiness, and then start to dismantle the self. And uh, you wouldn't get stuck there. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Buddha, uh, I mean, P.S. to all of this, you know, yeah. you're, you're in a pure land and you're seeing all sentient beings in the three worlds as illusions anyway. Yeah. 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 There's a great story later on uh, in, the, in the book here about the magician. Uh, yeah. The projection in prison. I love that story. Oh, my God. What about, too, I remember um, 
reading me this is a little bit too much of a tangent but a bodhisattva is willing to go to hell and to try and release so you know that might be the idea that you you choose to be reborn in a war-torn country so you can save a bunch of people uh-huh sacrifice yourself yeah was there was one guy that went to hell and just his idea decided to go to hell and just just the thought that wanting to do that was enough well yeah the story goes i don't remember his name i can't remember his name but yeah. he's a famous lama and his students were gathered around him and it was his moment of his death mm-hmm. and he was uh you could say he was truly hellbent he was like hellbent. <laughs> he, he was hellbent on going to hell and saving hell beings yeah it was this um and as he was passing or, or, or he was freaking out and his students were going like what's wrong is no 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 i no you know, it's his motivation to save uh, beings from hell were taking them to uh the opposite yeah and some sometimes they call it basketball hell is where you just you go down like a basketball you come right back up <laughs> it's cuz your it's your your motivation to be of great service uh is so powerful and you have to think we're going to get into this too in this in this uh series in this season as well about the six perfections mm-hmm. someone like that their motivation is is so steeped in wisdom as well it's not you know it's not just this uh you know he's not thinking that there's self-existent people suffering uh, you know so there's this great volume of wisdom of merit so he's accumulated all this merit and wisdom which we'll talk about in the in the series as well already behind him so it's literally almost impossible for him to go to mm-hmm. to to hell and then so his he just wants to go there to to help to serve and he can't yeah i don't know if it was the dalai lama or they asked some other lama they, they were showing um video of of the monks in in lhasa being beaten and um, they noticed that the Lama wasn't particularly upset or crying or anything like that. And he said, yeah, we've seen this before. And because we just know that there's suffering in the world, you know, it's it's so ingrained. It's yeah. so, the understanding is so deep that you can't even fathom it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that type of compassion that transcends all of that transcends yeah. the, the normal mind. Yeah. Well, I think that, that, you know, that is a compassion that knows that the causes of the root causes of suffering are that, you know, the misunderstanding of reality. And so it's like their whole basis of compassion is okay. Well, we know what the cause is. And so uh, that's why they, they teach to kind of alleviate that root cause. And in the meantime, there's all this uh, kind of obvious suffering that's happening in the world that uh, is, you know, comes from that. And so they're looking at, you know, they're looking at uh, something, you know, I think in a much different way than a, maybe just a bystander in the crowd would look. Mm-hmm. They're, they're seeing, they're seeing like, okay, you know, lifetimes of ignorant behavior has created this one moment and it's going to keep, it's, and it will continue unless something is done. You know, we can't just fix this right now. Yeah. And if you're seeing it as, as an illusion, then it's a yeah. totally different perspective. Yeah. So you, you were saying causes. Um, maybe back to the text, what is the mind and, and training the mind? Mm-hmm. Because it's all about causes and conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Causes and conditions, like, you know, what, 
which I, I think is important because uh, what what he's saying is that uh, what I love about what he's saying is it's not going to come from nothing. Yeah, you know, fulfill us causes and conditions, which means omniscience has a cause. Do we and want to read not... that? Do we want to read that from? Uh... Yeah. Uh, see. Okay. What... What, right. What is the mind? Okay. It, what is the mind? It is not possible for omniscience to be produced without causes, because if it were, everything could always be omniscient. If things were produced without reliance on something else, they could exist without constraint. There would be no reason why everything could not be omniscient. Confused yet? <laughs> Therefore, since all functional things arise only occasionally, they depend strictly on their causes. Now here he says, omniscience too is rare because it does not occur at all times and in all places, and everything cannot become omniscient. Therefore, it definitely depends on causes and conditions. So he's, I mean, what they're doing here is they're refuting any possibility that omniscience could just come from nowhere. Like in, he's basically saying there are causes for it because it's a changing thing, because it's not always in existence, then you got to get to work and make it happen. And it can happen. It can happen. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about, so um, omniscience itself. I mean, what is that? Like I, I, when I first heard that word, you know, and this whole idea that there's a being that can know all things at all times in one moment is, yeah, is really, really, really lofty. And, uh, you know, I've heard it, um, so many different ways. You know, actually, one of the ways I heard it put was <laughs> omniscience. One of the one of the mean, meanings of omniscience is knowing exactly what to put down and what to take up. Interesting, right? Which is so a mind that knows exactly what to do all the time. You know, I've heard it put as um, the state of knowing everything. Or having infinite awareness. Yep. The transcend transcend time and space. I mean, usually yeah. it's 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 one of the attributes of God or Santa Claus. You know, he he's everywhere and he yeah, knows, he knows if you're bad or good. He you know, knows what you're doing. Yeah, and, and he can go anywhere instantly. He is everywhere. He's omnipresent yeah. too. Yeah. So it, it's it. I think it's really healthy mm. to try and grok that. Yeah. You know, and uh, what's really awesome to about this whole statement is that it's relative to consciousness. So yeah, yeah, it's relative to consciousness. And if we think of any one state of consciousness, it can like it can improve. Mm -hmm. You know, and so for most of us, we're we're only conscious of a certain you know a certain uh, circle that we live in. Yeah. You know, we like, we, we, we kind of travel in this, in this world and we, you know, our consciousness is aware of certain things. And then you can go into meditation and be conscious of different things. You can, you can, and you can go into deep meditation 
and go to a whole other realm. You can go right. to a whole other realm uh, and you, quote unquote, are still there. You've forgotten about your body entirely and you can receive teachings from other beings, holy beings in this other realm. But you never went anywhere. See, yeah. it, it all, so you, the, the conscious, your consciousness can be aware of multiple things and they're all occupying the same space. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a hint about, you can have like consciousness of like a dog. It's only aware of certain things and then you evolve, you know, and then you're a human and, you know, you, some humans, their consciousness, they're very concerned about certain things and they're very good at certain things. And that's all they're conscious of. And that's, they're not really, no desire to, to like consider other realms or even, uh, even like if someone has an aura, for instance, I mean, that's even, and then suddenly, okay, I'm thinking about auras now and chakras, then your consciousness has expanded more. And then, but now what they're saying is, well, there's a limitless version of that. Yeah. and importantly and in which he's going to say a lot yeah there's causes and conditions yeah there's there's the reason that it is the way that it is and there's ways to um to train the mind yeah if you will yeah yeah maybe the next training the mind we could dive into that one yeah so training the mind uh training the mind also from among these causes and conditions so I guess we're going to get into causes and conditions, aren't we? So we don't need, no need to go there. Um, among these causes and conditions, you should... Hmm, here's what you were talking about earlier, right? Uh, the order. Yeah. Cultivate correct, right? So among these causes and conditions, you should cultivate correct and complete causes. If you put the wrong causes into practice, even if you work hard for a long time, and what's scary about long time here is when they say long time, <laughs> you know they're talking about long time. Yeah. They Eons, should, right? So even if glossary. you work hard for a long time, the desired goal cannot be achieved. It will be like milking a cow's horn. Yeah. Oh, we were good at those those metaphors. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Likewise, the result will not be produced when all the causes are not put into faith. Oh, so likewise the result will not be produced. Mm -hmm. When all the causes are not put into effect. I love the double negatives they do. Mm -hmm. For example, if the seed or any other cause is missing, then the result, a sprout and so forth, will not be produced. Therefore, those who desire a particular result should cultivate its complete and unmistaken causes and conditions. So the way I, I read this the first, after reading it, you know, everything else and coming back to it is, um, yeah, he's, he's, going to lay out a path to omniscience or buddhahood yeah and um and but the bodhisattva ideal is 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 at the center of it and you can probably hit shamatha but without this you're not going to get the thing that he's saying yeah, yeah. exactly mm -hmm. it's all got to come together i like thinking thinking of this as like uh well you know uh, well you're a musician so, I mean, I know, I don't know how many times like, I've heard my guitar players, my guitar, my guitar teachers say like, slow down, mm. right? Slow it down. Learn that scale uh, perfectly. Or I, I remember learning, I was learning a Joe Satriani solo and it got this great app, the amazing slowdowner. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and uh you know slowing it right down to like to micro speed and getting it note by note by note and then getting the bend just right and getting the run just right and then slowly increasing the tempo and then you know a few months later you know i can play that track and then run like a Saturani lick, which is to me like omniscience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. I was gonna it's, say. <laughs> right? Um but ha- but having A gotten the scales from my teacher, gotten mm. the uh download from my teacher, you know, he showed me how to do it. Yep. And, and then he said, okay, here's how to practice note by note, slowly. He also said like sing the lines and any other approach would be I never would get there. I never would have. Like you can't just try and play it too fast or out of order, or then it's kind of like for countless eons, I'd be trying to get this lick right and never have it right. Yeah. Well, I think we could uh, rewrite the, the the second line of this whole book and say the the guitar player who wishes to actualize <laughs> Dosatrani's solos extremely quickly should make a deliberate effort to fulfill its causes and conditions. <laughs> Yes. It's just not going to come. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that's a good one, Greg. I like that one. Um, <laughs> this is going to make me go for, go for a while here. Hold on. I don't, I don't know Joe Satriani as much as Al Dimiola. I remember one time I learned, uh, race with the devil on a Spanish highway. <laughs> well, that sounds fast. Yeah. It's very, very fast. And I got most of it because it's kind of simple. Once you learn the scales, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say simple, but no, but yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not all. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> hard enough. Hard enough. Okay. Yeah. So we, we have one more paragraph here. I, I wanted to add one thing. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing. Uh, and that is, which is, which brings us back to the whole uh, idea of when we started about the mind, like I'm, I'm talking about saturating guitar playing, mm-hmm. but uh, one of the big things about the importance of the order and getting it right is we're not talking about playing guitar. We're talking about our mental well-being. Yeah. So if we screw that up, we do that wrong, that actually affects us for lifetimes. Sure. Like, you know, playing a guitar scale wrong, that's only going to mess us around for, you know, one life, you know. <laughs> but but getting the path wrong, you know, out of order, is going to actually affect us uh, for future lives. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. yeah there you go. So uh, on to the uh, next verse. Yeah, if you ask, I think. If you ask, if you ask, what are the causes? Now we're getting into it. If you ask, what are the causes and conditions of the final fruit of omniscience? Mm. I, who am like a blind man, of course, Kamal is defaming himself here. I, who am like a blind man, may not be in a position to explain by myself, but I shall employ the Buddha's own words, just as he spoke them to his disciples after his enlightenment. He said, Vajrapani, Lord of Secrets, the transcendental wisdom of omniscience has its root in compassion, arises from a cause, arises from a cause, the altruistic thought, the awakening mind of bodhicitta, and the perfection of skillful means. Therefore, if you are interested in achieving omniscience, you need to practice these three. Compassion, the awakening mind of bodhicitta, and skillful means. He just gave us the cause. Oof. 
man, that is so rich, isn't it? Yeah, and it's um, you can't skip, can't skip one of these. No, you can't skip one of these, and 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 it's funny. He's like, in order, if if you don't believe me, the Buddha said it, right? Yeah, if you don't think, if you think I'm not know what I'm talking about, the Buddha said it. You know, yeah. that's why he, you know. And I think they even bring that up later because um, as part of the logic, and this might have been the Dalai Lama's commentary, that uh, yeah, in the Buddha said, yeah, you need to check everything out by yourself, but. If it's if it's sort of if you see contradictions, then you need to see, okay, what was the intent of the Buddha? What was the you know motivation? What is the real meaning as opposed to oh you you found some, you know small point, you know that yeah was of, of difference. You want to get to that in, intent. Yeah. Yeah. God, beautiful. Cool. So um, I was thinking maybe we could uh, close with the reading of the four measurables, which is part of the uh, the beginning of, oh, the, yeah, of, sure. the, of, of the text here. It's page two if you're following along at home. Yeah, sounds good. Well, can we just, before we do that, can we talk just a second about, uh, so, so you're saying, so yeah, you mentioned that. So compassion is essential and... Uh, because what he does here is he points to what we're going to talk a lot about is six perfections, right? Because he says, yeah, uh, compassion and skillful means. So it's like he's what he's saying is uh, you must create the causes which are a steady practice, cultivating the mind of bodhicitta. So um, how do you do that? And I think it's you have to think of. Influence, influencing all the days of your life with the six perfections, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. and uh, But making sure that's done with the emphasis of the last two perfections, which is still mind, come abiding, and wisdom. So you, wisdom, you understand yeah. the wisdom of all the other four perfections, other five perfections. And if you can rock that package together, then uh, you're in the running for omniscience. Yeah, this, is, this is a condensed text, but it's also... Yeah unpacked enough where you could put it in your back pocket and yeah it would be useful yeah you could all the time yeah yeah that's great great point okay so we're going to finish with the four immeasurables this is nice page two yeah um beautiful and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know uh the they say that the four immeasurables (laughs) <laughs> not the four immeasurables. The four immeasurables are uh, actually an antidote for any spiritual obstacle. Mm. Oh, I know that. that's what they say. Any uh, obstacle. Any obstacle. Any obstacle. Any spiritual obstacle. And whenever the first time I heard that, I thought, "Wait a minute! Isn't the fact that I'm not a Buddha a spiritual obstacle?" <laughs> and then I thought, "Okay, four immeasurables. They're going to fix it." So. Here we go. Number one. Yeah. I, I don't think we need to, uh, you know, do the one uh, three times. If, no. If people, okay. If people, yeah. People want to do this at, at home as part of their right. own. And they'll, they'll have the text, right? Yeah. Personal okay. liturgy. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Compassion. How good, would it, how good would it be that all beings are freed from suffering and the causes of suffering? Primarily the self-grasping ignorance and the self-cherishing attitude. May all beings be freed from suffering and the causes of suffering. 
I will take the responsibility to free all beings from suffering and the causes of suffering. Loving kindness. How good would it be that all beings are endowed with happiness and the causes of happiness? Primarily bodhicitta, which cherishes others more than oneself, Oof. and the wisdom of dependent origination. May all beings be endowed with happiness and the causes of happiness. I will take the responsibility that all beings be endowed with happiness and the causes of happiness. Joy. How good would it be that all beings are not separated from happiness and the causes of happiness? May all beings not be separated from happiness and the causes of happiness. I will take the responsibility that all beings are not separated from happiness and the causes of happiness. The mighty equanimity. How good would it be that all beings abide in the state of equanimity, which is freed of the biased attitude of excessive attachment towards some and aversion towards others. May all beings abide in the state of equanimity, which is freed of the biased attitude of excessive attachment towards some and aversion towards others. I will take the responsibility that all beings abide in the state of equanimity, which is freed of the biased attitude of excessive attachment towards some and aversion towards others. Oof. There's season four. <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, word, the word excessive sticks out. Uh, yeah. Because when I do this practice, which is a really great meditation practice, yeah. visualization, um, the same people kind of pop up always. <laughs> Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that I've had less, less excessive towards the ones where I have aversion, but I don't, I think I still have excessive attachment towards the ones that I really love. So that's probably the hardest one to, yeah, to yeah. E equal that out, equal that out. Yeah. Um, and whenever I, when I, when I, how I was taught this was at the end of each one, it would be, uh, you know, I pray or I, I I pray that my holy lama would give me the power to do so, right? Because you're you're saying like I will take the responsibility to free all beings from suffering and the causes of suffering. Well, how are you gonna do that? Right? <laughs> right. You gotta gotta learn some things. And then so in then it's like, oh, you know, please holy lama, give me the power to do so. And then you're sort of setting yourself up for, you know, get, Lama, give me the blessing um to do so. And which it's beautiful, right? Because if the Lama blesses the mind, what that means is the Lama teaches you and the Lama, um, you know, reduces reduces the negative things in your mind and increases the positive things. That's what a blessing is. Like I yeah, think I was people just have this say, idea yeah. that they, the, this is a magic wand. It's not that. They bless you by teaching you to, yeah, increase negative and increase positive. So Yeah, that's a, in the text a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Whew. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's beautiful. But I think I think we've unpacked it that um if you've never heard of this stuff before, maybe maybe it has some some uh it it can till the soil a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. I think so. It feels like it. Yeah, it feels like we did that we hit that goal. Okay. 
I guess until uh, episode two. Until episode two.